and welcome to the Let's Talk Autism podcast. I'm Michelle Davey and this is my co-host. Hi everyone, it's Christelle here. Hello Christelle, we have got two visitors with us today. Oh Mm. yes we do. There's no need to do any introductions to you and me, let's just get on with it. Emma McNally, um, who is here to talk about Tourette's, and we have got Johnny Davidson, MBE, here with us also to talk about Tourette's. Hi guys. Hi. Hi. Emma, I contacted you because I've seen across the internet and social media at the moment, you are campaigning with... Vigor, you're doing a petition, aren't you? Tell us a little bit about what's going on with your petition. Well, basically, my son's got Tourette, and in March 2020, we got a letter to say that he'd been from the hospital because basically the neurologist had retired. So at that point, then I looked around to get another neurologist for him, but there are non local to us, and I found that this is a problem throughout the UK. There's hardly any neurologists um, available to treat children with Tourette. Set up a petition to try and get more funding so that we can get more specialist centres throughout the country for Tourette's. Okay, great. And so the the petition you've been doing is how many signatures do we need? Um, we need 100,000 signatures. Um, we're currently on just over 53,000, but we've only got another 13 days. It finishes on the 16th of August. Right, okay. So okay. we really need to push for this petition to be signed, don't we? Yeah. And Johnny, I mean, yeah. Johnny, you've done various things, haven't you? You're a, you're a celeb today. You've been... Well, uh... <laughs> I wouldn't exactly see... Uh, A-list or celeb I'm, I'm there about somewhere but yeah yeah. I've done a few documentaries over the years and done a lot of campaigning about threats and trying to raise awareness and stuff. It's been pretty hard work over the years but you know we keep plodding on trying to convince people that they need to be signing this petition how important it is to people within the Tourette's community and you know just to get the word out there we need this support, we need these you know, consultants, these clinics, so that families who are just recently diagnosed with a child um, with the condition get support and any kind of treatments that are going on at the moment, you know, and it's just not happening at the moment and we're kind of hitting a brick wall and it's just not acceptable. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Johnny. I don't think there's enough um, awareness about Tourette's out there because, true story, with me, the first time I heard about Tourette's was watching Celebrity Big Brother and Pete was on there. First time I can say that I've heard about Tourette's and um, as of most recent it's been on TikTok where um, people who have Tourette's have been filming themselves having ticks. that's what it's called, ticks. Yeah, yeah. I've been learning about it more but that's through social media not really not on any kind of government platform or anything so. No, no. The thing thing with the with the kind of um, the media thing and the social media thing that the media portray the condition, unfortunately, as the swearing, the swearing disease kind of thing, you know. And unfortunately, that's the way the media have put it across to the mem- to members of the public. But whereas on things like you know social media, TikTok, Facebook, and stuff, people are putting videos up of real life experience. This is how it affects us. The difficulty is it's about finding the fine line between when we should laugh, when we should not laugh and take this condition very seriously because there's families out there, there's people out there, individuals 
who really are not coping with life, living with Tourette's. Now, when you're first diagnosed with the condition, that's the start of a mega, mega journey for everybody. Now, unless you've got the right support, the right medical intervention, um, the right information that's you know being fed to, to you as a family and as an individual, then it's a very, very scary place to be. And we just find that, you know, there's not enough clinics, there's not enough consultants out there that are going to take on this very important role to be able to give people support, to give people guidance. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's charities out there, there's Tourette's Action, there's Tourette's Scotland, there's Tech uh, in the, the health support group. There's the Manchester support group. There's support groups up and down the country who are volunteers, who are parents of people who live with the condition, and they are people who live with the condition who are, at the moment, unfortunately, having to, you know, bridge that gap. Now, that shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. There should be more funding forthcoming from the government in this kind of area because, as you can see, um, it's affected, it seems to be affecting more and more people, but I don't believe it's because it's becoming the fashion icon to have Tourette's. It's simply because people are becoming more and more aware of the condition. They recognise the condition. And the difficulty is we can go to a GP, let them know that we've shown these symptoms. The GP has an idea. He the GP or she, the GP, does not know the next step. So we end up being, you know, sent on to the wrong consultants. I mean, mm. when I was first diagnosed, I was diagnosed by a paediatrician. How old was you, Johnny? I was 13 when I was diagnosed. But at the time of my diagnosis, there was not a lot known about Tourette's. Yes, there was the Tourette's Association down in London who had very, um, you know, minimal information about the condition. What I needed at that time was someone else to say, it's okay, we understand what you're going on, what's going on for you. Um, this is how you deal with this, this is how you deal with that. And 30 years ago, it was like this, and it's still like this now. I we are being... I think the problem now, Johnny, is that th there's no nice guidelines for Tourette. So exactly. what happens is you go to your GP and then your GP is like, oh, well, I think you, you've, you've got tics, that's for sure. But we don't yeah, know what yeah. to send you to because any other condition, they can look it up in the medical guidance and find out, right, if you've got... Um, if they think you've got ADHD, right, they know what the pathway is to send you yes. on or any yeah, other condition. Yeah. But with mm -hmm, Tourette's, that mm -hmm. doesn't exist. So no. they don't know where to refer you to. And, and then, so they're like, oh, well, maybe we should send you to CAMS. Maybe we should send you to PEDS. And they just don't know. And what happens is the kids and the families just keep getting sent around in these circles. Yeah, and we end up being lost in the system. Yeah, yeah. and you, you wait yeah. ages for a referral. Like, you can get sent to CAMS and you wait in like, <coughs> months to hear back I and think, you get a letter and you're discharged you've not yeah. even been seen I think a very important point to get across as well Emma is that Tourette syndrome isn't just about the text motor and vocal yeah definitely. within that whole spectrum there is ADHD ADHD um, sensory dysfunction 
There's artistic uh, spectrum traits that a lot of people with Tourette show. So when all those are being brought together into one basket, people just don't know how to deal with it. And I think that's when people are being lost in the system. Now, yeah. I know a lot of families who are referred to from GP to CAMS. Now, the CAMS system, mm. as far as I'm concerned, is flawed. It doesn't work. Yeah. Unless you're willing... And that must be so frustrating. Very frustrating. Very frustrating. And I, I, I have parents contact me regularly in tears, crying, because they don't know what they should be doing. Because CAMS are saying... We can't. We can make a diagnosis, but we can't support you thereafter. You need to go basically and find it out yourself, and that that's just not right. There's no nothing within a path. There's there's no pathway at all after you've been referred to CAMS. From CAMS thereafter, mm. there's nothing. There's nothing. But well, even in some areas, the problem Johnny, at the moment is some CAMs won't even see you. So you can't, yeah, a lot yeah. of children at the moment can't even get a diagnosis. So that, that like there's a, a young girl who I know of who can't even get diagnosed and she's in a really, really bad way. She's in yeah, really yeah. bad pain. She's saying mm -hmm. she wants to die. She doesn't yeah. want to be here. And she yeah. can't even get a diagnosis. She can't get any help. Uh, no, no. It's just, it's appalling, the lack of care. Johnny, you spoke about you spoke about support there yeah. and I think Emma you had very good support at the beginning didn't you can you tell us how important that was I did how lucky we were we basically got referred pretty quickly to a neurologist we saw no, no, no. we got we got diagnosed by the neurologist and then we used to see him every couple of months the thing no one prepares you what Tourette's is going to be like it's so unpredictable like tomorrow you'll agree Johnny you can wake up with brand new ticks that you didn't have the day before yeah 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 they change all the time the ticks so to have a neurologist at the end of the phone that you can ring and say listen like my son's got these new ticks we don't know what to do have you got any advice that's like invaluable support so Definitely. to then get that taken away from you and have nothing um or like there's some families who, who like we were really lucky we were in a position where we had that and then we got it took away but some families have never had that at all exactly um, yeah yeah i mean I, i've come across families emma that have had a diagnosis and they are just left to be you know to their own devices get on with it kind of thing yeah. unless you're prepared to take medication now who in the right mind as a parent who of a six-year-old, 10-year-old, 14-year-old wants their children to be doped to the eyeballs on antipsychotic that medications? That's the option. Sort of that's one of the options, yeah. That's one of the options. And it tends yeah. to be one of the first options as well. Even when I was diagnosed at 13, I was on um, something like six milligrams of haloperidol per day. Now, haloperidol is a drug which is an antipsychotic drug, and it's used to this day in uh, psychiatric hospitals and prisons. When people kick off, they get a quick injection of haloperidol, and it completely shuts them down. Now, this is the kind of treatment that, you know, a lot of these families have been offered. It's not right because I just feel there's not enough doctors out there who have gone deep into how else can we look at treating this condition or helping to manage the condition, helping the family to manage the condition yeah. without, without drug intervention. Because 
I was forced to go to school at 13 years old, picked up by a taxi from the hospital that I was a patient in because they felt that my education was more important than my mental health. Now, to me, yeah. it's done more damage to me than good. I was forced to go somewhere I didn't want to be, forced to go somewhere I didn't feel understood. I was mocked. I was bullied. I was beat up. And, mm. you know, at 13, 14 years old, I had a, men a complete mental breakdown. And if I can do anything to prevent that happening to any other child that went and bred to this country, then I'll yeah. do that. And Johnny, I guess that's, uh, that's so heartbreaking to hear that you went through that ordeal. Yeah. And yeah. I guess this not knowing where to go and being referred to this person, that person can lead to all this misdiagnosis as well, which yeah. is very yeah. unfair. It's very unfair. Very. Because as you said, it would impact on a lot of people's mental health. Yeah, yeah. And and I think as well as when you're a child, unless you get the right intervention, the correct support, the correct, can it get onto the right pathway to, you know, treating and trying to help you as an individual, then you end up damaged, growing into an adult as a damaged person because now I suffer terribly from anxiety around about large crowds of people. I suffer terribly um, if someone talks about the school I used to go to that I hated going to. I can't go anywhere near visually the school that I went to because it just brings so much hurt and trauma back to me. And no child should have to go through that. School is supposed to be the happiest days of your life. Johnny, day to day, what is your life like now? My life now is... I work full-time, I have my own house. I'm still single, which I actually prefer. I choose to be single. Living with somebody with Tourette's, I can't imagine to be very uh, uh, very much fun. Um, but, yeah, I'm quite happy in what I've got. I go to work as well. At the moment, I'm still on furlough because of the pandemic, but I'll get back to work. I'm out every day. I've got a routine. I can cope with the condition. I can, you know, lead a quite a fulfilling life, yeah. I left school, I don't have a lot of uh, GCSEs, anything like that, but I've had to make my life what it is now. And if I, I feel if I had the right support way back then, like children now deserve, then I might have been in a better place, a happier place, I don't know, I don't know. Um, I think when you're diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome, a lot of your life choices are limited, but even though they're limited, you can still get on in life and be happy and, you know, live a fulfilling life. With your son, Emma, is uh, how, when was he diagnosed? Um, he was diagnosed when he was nine, between nine and 10. He's now 13. Um, but when we look back, he had ticks from being around two and a half. But at the time, we didn't know that they were ticks or they were like, he was always kind of a, he, he never liked going to school. He was, didn't particularly like going. And whenever he went, started a new class, he'd start with something like, he, he had something where he kept doing that on his nose or scrunching his eyes up or pulling on his trousers. And we just always thought it was ner nerves about going to school because they'd kind of come and go and change into something else. So, and I didn't really know anything about Tourette's, didn't know. I would, I would never have thought that he had Tourette's because all I heard of was what was in the media, that it was swearing. 
So then when mm. we, we got the diagnosis, you're kind of like, oh, right, okay. You, you, you're like, really? Because you, you, you've got no idea what it is. And no one prepares you really for the most shocking thing, I think, is the amount of pain that people suffer who've got Tourette's. But when you think about it logically, they're doing a repetitive movement over and over again. So they're bound to get pain. And to be a parent of a child and the child's crying in pain that they want, they want this pain to stop. But mm. what I found, and Johnny will obviously back me up on this, that when they've got a tick that causes them pain, for some unknown reason of no idea, the tick gets worse. Yeah, yeah. So then the pain gets worse. So then as the Definitely. pain gets worse, the tick gets worse. It's like a really crazy, vicious cycle that they can't get out of. And they're crying that they want it to stop and they don't want this to be happening. And it's heartbreaking as a parent because you can't make it stop. And, and then I feel for all these families now, we were just starting this journey. They're not getting a diagnosis. They're not getting any help. And they've got the kids crying that, and they don't want to be here they want all this to stop and it it's just terrific i think the total lack of yeah. care it is yeah it sounds yeah. absolutely heartbreaking and i don't even know how you know people are coping so this is why it's so important the campaign mm-hmm. the petition that you're doing it's so important and there's something that i've read that you said it's not about oh my child doesn't this doesn't affect yeah. me it is the fact that people need help so everyone should be signing it everyone should be sharing it because it will affect somebody that you might know yeah Yeah, definitely and it it could like a lot of people will think well it doesn't affect me but it might do like I I would never have thought Tourette's would have affected my family because I I didn't know anyone with it before yeah yeah of course so where where can we find a petition Emma so that we can we'll I mean we'll put the link on there as well it's on the government website you basically if you just search for Tourette's it's pretty much the only one that's on there it's Tourette's to increase funding into support and research well that's showing something as well isn't it if it's the <laughs> only one on there as well <laughs> my goodness yeah 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 so thank you so much a pair of you for coming on and speaking to us it's been so so invaluable having you on today yeah. it's no problem really... let's spread the word let's spread the word out there and let's get all those signatures yes, yes. we need a hundred thousand come on yes. 13 we days can to do go. it we can do Woo! it so um where can we find you on instagram emma my name emma mcnally so if you yep. just search for me they'll find me and johnny are you on social media yeah i'm on social media i'm on facebook instagram so yeah just look for johnny dmbe and you'll find me there yeah yeah, yeah. everywhere <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us it's been fantastic no problem thank bye. you very much thanks bye thank you bye now bye, bye. bye.